You're tuned in to Talking Respect with Hannah Banani. This is episode 24, How to Upgrade Your Health Set with Dr. Nick. Jack LaLanne once said, Exercise is king, nutrition is queen, put them together and you've got a kingdom. On the podcast today is Dr. Nick Nawabazi, a board-certified family medicine physician. His undergraduate focus was mechanical engineering and he completed his medical school at the Ohio State University College of Medicine. He finished his internship and residency at Adventist Hinsdale Hospital in Illinois. On this podcast, Dr. Nick speaks about maintaining our health and ensuring that we have plenty of good quality sleep, that in fact sleep deprivation can cause higher blood levels, that weightlifting is ideal for those looking to increase their energy levels as well as building muscle. Dr. Nick explains that he contracted COVID-19 and that it was his well-invested health and fitness regime that enabled him to stay at home and recover without the need for emergency care. He shares how taking the harder option will allow an easier path in life. So if you want to learn a little bit more about health and what to do to keep your health optimised during the pandemic, then tune in today and do not miss. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Nick. I'm, I'm very happy to be here, Hannah. How are you today? Very well, thank you. The weather is same as usual in London. Nothing's changed. It's still raining. <laughs> here, here in Denver, Colorado, it's it's pretty. It's nice. It's sunny and it's uh, it's about sixty. So I can't complain. But um, but I, I do empathize. Could you just start, please, by sharing with us your journey into medicine and what inspired you to become a doctor? Um, so I wanted to be a doctor, uh, from high school, from the time I was in, in, uh, you know, in, in high school and essentially, um, to be honest, I just, I was very intrigued by how the human body worked. I like understanding kind of very complicated processes. And, and to me, the human body, those at, at, at that time, there was nothing more complicated than the human body. So, uh, you know, I endeavored to, or I made it a goal rather to, you know, be accepted into medical school and and to uh, to graduate one day. Um, so my journey after high school, though, kind of took a turn. Um, I went into engineering instead. So I have a, an undergrad degree in mechanical engineering. Um, and after engineering, I went. I completed a number of. Uh, um, of classes necessary for medical school. And then um, I, I applied and, um, you know, got into med school and, uh, and at a number of separate, in a number of separate schools, but I eventually ended up choosing Ohio State University. And um, that's where I graduated from. And when did your um, interest for fitness start? And is that linked at all to you becoming a doctor? Um, so I, that's a really good question. I don't think anyone's uh, in any other podcast has asked me that. I would say that my interest for fitness started way back um, in something that isn't necessarily linked to outright fitness, um, but instead self-defense. So um, I have a black belt in Taekwondo, which I got um, in high school. And my, my high school was one of the pioneers of um, uh, kind of advocating and, and, uh, providing a, a class for students to partake in martial arts in the, in the, um, 
you know, with the with the assumption that they didn't want to do a PE class instead. So essentially, my PE class in high school was replaced by Taekwondo. So I started training and, and um, you know, immediately upon entrance into into high school. And by the time that I <clears throat> by the time that I graduated high school, four years later, I was a black belt. And I think that that is truly where the foundation for for kind of my desire for fitness came from because you start to realize very quickly in taekwondo or any other martial art the physicality involved um and you know even as it pertains to self-defense you need to be strong and capable you need to have endurance you need to have stamina all of these all of these kind of core pinnacles of of um uh of um of um, fitness are, are absolutely involved in martial arts. So, um, you know, shortly sometime within that, that time that I started, um, training and doing Taekwondo, I started going to the gym as well. Uh, it was, um, my local gym, my YMCA, um, there, uh, in, in Lansing, Michigan. And I vividly remember that my father, uh, forced me, he had to force me to go. It wasn't something that I enjoyed doing because, you know, like most teenagers, like most people in high school, I was more concerned with playing video games and, um, <laughs> and, uh, just kind of sure. having a good time with video games. So my dad would always try to encourage me to come with him to the YMCA. And I did resist initially. And then when I, um, I started to notice after going so many times that I became more capable, uh, in Taekwondo class and in, in training, you know, I had more endurance, I was stronger. So I essentially saw it as a supplement to Taekwondo training and, and, um, uh, um, kind of continued. And, and that, I, I would say that that kind of, that was definitely the birth of my interest in fitness. So moving into weightlifting, I've recently grown very interested in learning about the benefits of weightlifting on the human body. And I've got kids, so I need to stay strong for them, you know, to have the energy throughout the day to take care of them and do my daily tasks. Um, can you share with us some of your expert insights on weightlifting? You know, in my opinion. Um, Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there are numerous benefits to, to weightlifting. Um, I think that, you know, from a from a doctor's standpoint, the, the thing that I am most um interested in, in uh, you know, advocating uh, as it pertains to weightlifting uh, for my patients is is insulin sensitivity. So um, diabetes, type 2 diabetes is obviously a worldwide concern um, that is growing, you know, more and more dire uh, per the day. More and more people are being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And um, uh, even before diabetes, people will have metabolic syndrome. The amount of people, uh, you know, who have undiagnosed metabolic syndrome uh, in the world is um, it, it, it's a, it's a number that kind of astounds everybody because so many many people have metabolic syndrome. So, essentially, everything that you can do to improve your insulin sensitivity, and what I mean by that is that um, for uh, the, the food that you eat, your pancreas has to secrete a certain amount of insulin to get the, um, the base units of that food, the, the f kind of foundational units, to get those foundational units into your cells um, to, to use as energy or for storage. Um, now, insulin is necessary to, to do that. You, you can't, um, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are, you know, especially by something called GLUT4 receptors, there are definitely ways to get energy into cells without, without, um, 
without insulin. But for the for the most part, it's 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 a prerequisite. So essentially, what you want to do is anything you can do, any choices that you can make in life, weightlifting being part of that, to increase your the sensitivity of your cells to less and less insulin. Um, uh, doing so puts you further and further away from type two diabetes. Puts you further and further away from metabolic syndrome. So. Um, that is one definite uh, uh, advantage or one definite reason that we should all be weightlifting. Um, number two, uh, you know, weightlifting essentially provides um, mobility uh, and provides the ability to to do the things that we all that we all want to do and the things that interest us. As we all grow older, um, you know, it, it, the the rate of falls in older adults in the geriatric population is. Uh, much higher, obviously, than it would be in the younger population. And one of the reasons, um, sure, there are many things that go into that coordination, balance, but one of those things that that uh, that uh, is involved in, you know, an increase in falls is the loss of strength. Um, and loss of strength uh, is secondary to uh, one, growing older for sure, but two, lack of lack of um, you know, progressive overload, lack of consistent stimulation of, of muscles and, and weightlifting. Um, there is a phenomenon that is called sarcopenia. Sarcopenia, Hannah, basically means that after kind of the age of puberty, you know, uh, within our 20s, all of us start to lose muscle. So this is this is something that you know, many people think, oh, will really only happen when you get old. But in reality, it happens as early as your as your early 20s, right after puberty is all but complete, you start to lose consistently um, muscle uh, uh, every single year um, at varying degrees, at varying percentages um, for for. Uh, each and every person um, highly contingent upon the uh, the stress that that person chooses or doesn't choose to put on their body. So weightlifting being one of those stressors and then uh, protein intake in their diet. Um, obviously, there are other things that can exacerbate this like lack of sleep or consistent lack of sleep, like stress. But for the primary things, in my opinion, are um weightlifting and, and kind of a, you know, a, uh, a lack of, of adequate protein in, in the diet. So essentially I, you know, it's, it's very, it's very important to push off the effects of sarcopenia as long as you can. Um, and part of that is maintaining muscle mass and, and even growing muscle mass, not to the extent that would put you in the domain of a bodybuilder. You don't need to be a bodybuilder to, um, to prioritize keeping muscle or to prioritize putting on muscle. Um, but you know, it's, it, that should be something that should be a focus for each and every person. As long as you're mobile and you're, you're moving around, you, you, to express ourselves in the physical world, you need a certain amount of, of strength. You need the ability to, to, you know, take the groceries out of the car, right. To pick your kids up that the, exactly the situation you just mentioned to pick your kids up or to, to help your kids with whatever they need to, um, to, to, to do whatever, whatever we choose to do in this world, you need a certain amount of strength. So I think that kind of the benefits, those are two main benefits of weightlifting. There are other benefits, right. From, um, 
giving you uh, uh, more more energy throughout the day. People who exercise consistently are more energetic, um, uh, uh, and at the same time. Uh, sleep easier at night because they're they're more exhausted by the time nighttime comes around. So it helps with insomnia and difficulty difficulty with sleep. Otherwise, so you know I think that those are the main points with weightlifting. There are definitely a myriad other points um, from mood disorder, uh, mood disorder uh, mitigation. Um, people who who exercise and who lift um, uh, commonly uh, have much much more stable moods uh, than people who don't. Um, so, you know, I, th those are the ones I can think of uh, off the top of my head. There, there are, like I said, there are a myriad other other reasons that weightlifting and, and prioritizing exercise should be absolutely important to everybody. Those are some really helpful insights. Thank there are some people, we have some friends who seem to be able to... Yep. <laughs> who seem to be able to eat a lot of, of foods that we think should make them fat, right? Whether it's pizza or burgers or hot dogs, or um, they seem to be able to splurge much more than we can with much less of a detrimental effect. Yep. <laughs> and the reason why, Hannah, these people can do so more often than not is because uh, they have more muscle. People have to realize that muscle isn't just about strength muscle is also it, it um there are two places uh in the human body where uh carbohydrates stored as glycogen um are are, are stored and it, the liver is one of them and muscles are are another um the liver can hold approximately it's contingent upon our body size but approximately 150 grams of carbohydrates um uh, in the storage form of glycogen, your muscles, however, given how much, uh, 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 given how much muscle you have on, you can store between 400 and 600 grams of, of carbohydrate. So people who, you know, presumably have more muscle on them can quite literally store more carbohydrates, um, as glycogen, as opposed to being in an energy surplus and then storing those same carbohydrates as, as fat, um, through, uh, through, a you know, complicated bio, uh, chemical process. So as essentially, um, you know, that is another reason why it's, it's definitely very important to put on muscle. Um, we live in a society uh, globally where sleep doesn't seem to be as prioritized anymore. We're a very fast paced society. And um, because of that, many people are sleep deprived. Uh, the unfortunate part of that is it doesn't take much um, of a deficit in sleep for people to become more insulin resistant. In fact, um, you know, studies have shown that uh, you, uh, with as much as one night of, of poor sleep, of four or five hours of sleep, um, you can quite literally uh, check that person. And if you were to only look at that day, you know, a physician could, could you know, damn well come to the conclusion that this person is a diabetic, that they are very insulin resistant and their blood sugar will be much higher than you would expect it to be. When in reality, they're, they're not, they're not d diabetic, but they are definitely in that one day that they had the poor night of sleep prior, they are definitely much more insulin resistant um, than they would be otherwise. So, uh, you know, ultimately, to improve insulin sensitivity, another thing you can do is focus on good 
consistent quality sleep um, on a daily basis. And like I said, I understand that, you know, for, for many people that uh, at least, at least, you know, in a situation where they're not prioritizing it for many people, that's not the reality, but I would argue that that should be a priority for, for each and every person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for young mothers and for, for people with small, very small children, just taking that half an hour nap during the day is, you know, a no-brainer. But can anyone weightlift? Because I've always been under the impression that, you know, if you're bigger in build, if you have, you know, more muscle, then you can weightlift. But those who have are, are bare on the bones won't be able to do it as, as, as effectively. How true is that? I would argue that that's 100% untrue. You have to keep in mind, Hannah, nobody, I mean, whether you're talking about somebody like you just said, right, who is very big and has a lot of muscle, they were not born like that. Nobody just got like that. People, whether through their daily lifestyle, let's say you work on a farm and you are, you know, um, I don't know, you're tossing around hay all day and, and you're, you're, you're doing hard farm labor, those people are quite likely going to be big and strong and muscular. However, the, you know, um, the fact that they are that way isn't, uh, isn't luck of the draw. It isn't just that they got lucky. It is quite literally that they, their bodies determined through consistent and repeated demand that they needed to be stronger, that they needed to be uh, bigger. And then um, uh, through, um, you know, time and, and um, kind of consistent uh, effort on, on the farm, they got bigger. Um, so I, the reason why I give you that situation is just to take it out of the weight room. Essentially, the only reason why your body gets stronger, whether or not this is a weight room or not, the, the reason your body is getting stronger and you will put muscle on is because you are putting you are uh, putting stressors on your body that uh, it was not prepared for at the time, and you know it realized that it needed to it needed to adapt, right? Even if we're talking, let's say you, Hannah, let's say you never once go to the gym, but every single day. Um, you are you are consistently picking up your your you know your newborn son, and obviously months go by, years go by. Now he isn't a newborn anymore. Now he's a one year old, a two year old. But you're consistently picking him up. I if I were to look at your muscle mass initially two or three years back, you would have less muscle mass uh, as compared to who you are now. Simply because your 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 son is growing, your son is getting bigger and bigger, and you are consistently wanting to pick him up, and your body is adapting to that stress of a growing boy, right? So in reality, mm -hmm. all we're truly doing by going to the gym is your your putting a known stress on your body and you're progressively increasing, you're progressively overloading your body just slightly more than it can take, which then makes it adapt. So yes, I would argue absolutely anybody can weightlift. Um, obviously, I do want to encourage that if you get into weightlifting, you need to emphasize technique. Form is something that you know some people don't necessarily uh, focus on when they're trying to um, improve their their body composition when they're trying to increase muscle um, they they some people will just forget all about technique and forget all about form and unfortunately what that does is predispose them to injury 
um, and injury predisposes them to having to spend, you know, weeks or, or months outside of the gym recovering, which then risks them losing the the muscle that they have put on and, and, the, and the, uh, the, the progress that they have made. So yes, anyone can lift weights. You should absolutely always emphasize technique. If you don't know what you're doing, you should seek counsel from a coach or somebody who is much, much more experienced than you in this manner. Um, uh, and, uh, um, you know, essentially, yeah, I hope that answered your question. Everybody should, that's something that, this is something that everybody should do. And it doesn't matter if you're, even in high school, I, I brought up the um, the story about me in high school. I, I, before then I had never lifted weights and I was very, very, you know, skinny and, and much, much weaker uh, as compared to how I am now. Um, so, you know, uh, it, this is just something that you take one day at a time and you, you, you train and, you know, you hopefully follow a good program. Like I said, from somebody who is willing and able to teach you and, um, uh, the, 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 the results will come. It's a matter of time. If you're putting in the work and putting in the effort, the results will come. Yeah, I do emphasize technique as well. I think it's incredibly important, you know, instead of just going out onto Amazon and buying, you know, 10 kg um, dumbbells and then trying to attempt it at home on your, on your own is definitely a no-go. Always seek advice first. Uh, moving into um, realms of eating and, and being healthy, especially during the pandemic, what tips would you share with us specifically on you know, maintaining our health during this period? Um, I know we've already touched on this in respect of ha having a good night's sleep and making sure we go to the gym. Is there anything else that we can do to maintain our health during this period? Yeah, so sleep is important, as you already alluded to. I think exercise is important. Another thing that I think is very important is nutrition. Um, I think, you know, as human beings, especially when we become more stressed, uh, we for whatever reason, we seek the most energy dense of foods and the most energy dense of foods are going to be processed foods um, uh, and, and junk foods. Um, so it's, I think it's important to kind of um, peel that back and, and understand that uh, instead, um, given, you know, the, the, the reality of the pandemic and given the fact that so many people, I mean, the, the, the data worldwide has shown that a considerable amount of people during this pandemic have gained weight. And it's for all these issues from weightlifting or the lack thereof to not focusing on sleep to poor nutrition that that weight gain is happening. So um, from a nutrition standpoint, I commonly encourage focusing on whole foods that are unprocessed, uh, prioritizing cooking if you can, or if you can't, simple meal prepping of, of meal prepping of already cooked uh, foods um, uh, and prioritizing intake of, of protein. Um, obviously, you know, we need a certain amount of fat and we need carbs um, in, our, in our diet, but uh, the current state of processed food um, is an inverted one wherein carbs and fat are high in processed foods and protein is low. So uh, I simply recommend flipping that script. So, you know, prioritize protein, make protein high um, and uh, kind of minimize as much as you can consumption of carbohydrates, especially refined carbohydrates um, and, uh, and fats. 
we're living through a very um, controversial nutrition age where pretty much everyone disagrees on what's the better diet, you know. Eat meat, don't eat meat. Go vegan, don't eat eggs. Very confusing. Be interested, and I'm sure my audience would too. What What is, for you, the definition of healthy foods? Whole foods that are unprocessed, that are um, uh, not sparse with uh, not sparse on protein, but are, but have a, have a good amount of protein. And ultimately, um, you know, yes, I, I do agree with you. We live in a world where people, I, you know, I, I very much dislike the fact that so many people are very um, diet centric um, as opposed to being diet agnostic. I think that um, for the most part, we shouldn't necessarily be focusing on specific diets. We should be focusing on um, on prioritizing protein and minimizing um, uh, fat intake and minimizing carb intake. Um, uh, and uh, essentially, you know, you can that that's something that hopefully you should be doing. I don't care if you're following being a vegan or doing paleo, doing Whole30. Um, you know, ultimately, I'm a believer that. Uh, when you take in energy from the uh, environment, energy in the form of carbs and and fat, and that energy is to a caloric surplus or leads to a caloric caloric surplus, not a not a not a, a consistent amount that would lead you to maintain your weight. That you're that's going to cause you to 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 gain weight, and that's going to cause uh, obesity. Um, so ultimately, you know, I'm, I try to, I'm not perfect myself, Hannah, I'm not trying to say anybody should be perfect. But I think that, you know, we live in a society where uh, too many people indulge in fast food and processed foods far too often. Um, when even, you know, even as recently as 100 years back, that was not the case. That is not how human beings lived. And, you know, because of that, we didn't have a lot of the pathologies. We didn't have obesity to the extent that we do now. We didn't have uh, a myriad of pathologies to the extent that we do now. So I'm of the opinion that if you stick with as much as you can, whole foods that are unprocessed, um, you'll be doing better than most. I agree with you. Um, but I do have to say this. I think that people lived much differently than the way that we're living now. I want things quick and we're living this really fast paced lifestyle where we're working around the clock. The time for nutrition has become very small. We do need to prioritize this, uh, find a way to prepare meals possibly when, you know, when you do have the time. Yes. Um, so, and freeze them, you know, them away. So, that when you're busy, you can just sort of pull them out and put it in the in the oven or microwave very quickly. Yes. Uh, so it requires a lot of organization. <laughs> Talking about protein itself, I was going to ask if you could please give us some more examples of protein, because immediately when we think protein, we think chicken, poultry. Um, but there are obviously a wide range of proteins. So if we could just go through those, that would be really helpful. Yeah, um, I'm definitely biased uh, in in answering this question. I think ultimately you're right. There are, there's a wide range of proteins, and people just need to do the work and find what protein sources that they will enjoy most. Um, 
proteins that I will eat. Uh, so, you know, let's say, so vegetable proteins include things like, you know, edamame, um, uh, what else has very high protein from a, from a vegetable standpoint? I think, I think you can't go wrong with most vegetables, even though they don't have a lot of protein simply because they have high fiber. So high fiber is something else that I will always look for. I didn't mention that earlier and I apologize, but, um, you know, like I said, high protein, uh, low fat, low carbs, but you also want to look for high fiber. So look for high protein and high fiber. Um, otherwise sources of protein that I use include, um, you know, egg whites, um, uh, eggs, um, obviously, you know, chicken. Um, I recently, um, started using, uh, started there's a i believe it's natural bakery that the website um but there's a there's a baker that uh has a type of um bun type of a hamburger bun that is essentially 10 grams of protein per bun and one gram of net carbs because it has a lot of fiber so i'll get a, a good amount of protein from that um other sources of protein include um whey so i i will um I, because I try to drink a whey protein and a protein shake pretty immediately after going to the gym, just because it's, uh, it, it helps with anabolic sing signaling and, and mo muscle protein synthesis. Um, but essentially, uh, you know, I, th those are some of my quick, quick go-tos for protein. Um, other things that I'll eat for protein include, um, protein bars. Uh, I like a certain company called built bars. Um, I like beef jerky. Um, I like pistachios. Pistachios have, have a good amount of protein. Um, so, you know, you just kind of have to, you have to, uh, do go on the, go on the internet. It would be my suggestion. And, and whatever, whatever particular dietary restrictions that you want to impose upon yourself for whatever reason, that's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that, um, doing a little bit of research and finding sources that are high in protein, high in fiber, low in fat, low in carbs, uh, will, will do you, will definitely do you well. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Um, can I ask please, how important is it to exercise alongside eating healthy foods. I mean, I know this is an obvious one, but some people think that perhaps we can rely solely on one area, like either to eat really well or to exercise um, as much as we can. But how important is it to combine the two? So, you know, I think ultimately combining the two is, is important, um, though, Listen, if you can combine the two, doing one is better than doing none. Um, but ultimately, I think of exercise, I think of uh, uh, nutrition and, and optimal nutrition as um, improving your body composition from the perspective of fat. So one thing I'll commonly tell my patients, and this is pretty simple to understand is, so weight is lost in the kitchen, but weight is gained in the gym. And, you know, if I want to go into that deeper, I would say fat is lost in the kitchen and muscle is gained in the gym. I don't think from, from, you know, what I've seen, I don't think that there's an appreciable amount of fat that anybody can lose in the gym. Uh, you would have to essentially stay on the treadmill or stay on the bike, like a, like a hamster on a hamster wheel for a ridiculous amount of time to build up 
the caloric deficit necessary um, to, to lose weight, to lose fat. Um, however, I do think that it is absolutely conceivable, especially over the long term, not the short term, but over the long term, to lose an appreciable amount of fat by changing your diet appropriately. Um, now, like I said, that's that's what I mean by uh, weight is lost in the kitchen. Fat is lost in the kitchen. But no matter how you're eating, even if you're eating a high protein diet and you're eating high fiber and you're minimizing consumption of carbs and minimizing consumption of fat, you're not going to put on muscle unless you are stressing your body appropriately, unless you are putting your body through consistent progressive overload. And that can really only happen in the gym, uh, or like the analogy I brought up earlier, let's say your lifestyle, you work on a farm or you work in a factory where you need to be very physically active. Those people are also going to put progressive overload on their muscles and, and become stronger and become bigger. So long story short, Hannah, I think you do need both. I think that, um, you know, if you're, uh, if, if, if you want to put on muscle and you want to lose fat, you need to do both. Um, and that even if you just want to lose fat and you don't care about putting on muscle, then I think it's very important to, to kind of rewind and listen to what we talked about earlier and why putting on muscle is so incredibly important for all of us. Because ultimately, if you're not putting on muscle, you're losing muscle. And that starts, like I said, at 20 years old, slowly but surely. Um, through the process, through the physiological process of sarcopenia, if you're not putting on muscle, you're losing muscle. So, you know, um, if you had to decide between the two, putting it on or losing it, I would, I would absolutely encourage um, slowly, slowly but surely putting it on. So this is a very interesting question that I have for you here. Um, did you have an experience whereby you became unwell, but you found that certain foods or exercise had helped you to become better so early last year i contracted covid and um i uh was definitely affected by it and it it took me out for a good amount of weeks um however i never needed to go to the emergency room never needed to go to urgent care here um and i was able to fully recover at home despite uh despite i'm not you know it it it, 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 it took it, it let's put it this way it definitely took a toll on me it was very difficult to get through it was not it was much that <laughs> when i became infected with it that's when i truly kind of respected the the disease process of, of um, SARS-CoV-2, um, which is which is the virus and COVID, which is the, the disease. So essentially, um, I think that uh, I, I did know somebody else in my gym who also went through it and she and I had talked about it afterward. And essentially, um, I am very, very confident that if I were not at the fitness level that I um, was at when I contracted the virus that I probably would not have been able to make it through through the the infection at home by myself. Um, it was something that uh, it was something that you know uh, was very difficult to get through. So I think that um, I think hopefully that answered your question. Thank you for sharing that. I can imagine it would have, was a, would have been a very difficult time for you. 
there's a couple of other questions before before we conclude. Can you share with us a specific challenge that you faced and what you did specifically to overcome that challenge? Okay, I think a, 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 a challenge that any doctor would be able to say was a challenge was getting through medical school. Um, and uh, I mean, it was, it was arduous, it was a hell of a journey. And um, I think that ultimately, uh, I got through it by understanding that, um, especially for something like medical school, they can be daunting. Um, in fact, the entire process of, you know, just becoming a doctor can be daunting, right? You have so many years in medicine, in medical school, then you have so many years in residency. And ultimately, uh, I, I told myself the way I got through it was simply by, by telling myself that, you know, I'm not going to view this as a something that's going to take eight or nine years in total and said, I'm just going to view it one day at a time. And, and that I have a number of challenges that are in front of me, but I'll, I'll attack the challenges one at a time. Um, uh, and, uh, kind of, you know, continue to put one foot in front of the other, so to speak. So I think that that mentality of, of breaking down what seemed insurmountable, what seemed, uh, you know, um, undefeatable uh, into smaller and smaller chunks uh, did absolutely help me um, conquer it. So, Thank you. And this follows into my final question, which is what would be the one single advice that you would give to the 16-year-old Nick if, if it were your last day? Um, that's a great question. I think the advice I would give to 16-year-old Nick is the same that advice that I would give to, to anybody, which is, you know, I'm a big believer from a mentality standpoint. I'm a big believer in that, you know, we should always choose the, the harder option. So if there's anything that the gym has taught me, um, it's that progressive overload doesn't just apply to the gym. It applies to everywhere in life. Um, and that what I mean by that is that if you want to adapt if you want to improve your ability to do anything you have to expose yourself to um uh that very thing at a stimulus level that is just barely um just very very close to to your your maximum so uh you know a point of advice that you know i would tell myself when I was younger is just to, uh, you know, realize that there's a stimulus response relationship to everything in life. Um, and what that means is that you always have to choose the harder option whenever you're presented between a, a simple option uh, that is very, very easy or a harder option. As long as you know that the harder option is doable and that you can complete it and sure, it'll take you more time. Sure. It may be more difficult, uh, but the 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 beauty is in the other side is is kind of when you cross that divide uh because you will be much more competent you'll whether it's in the in weightlifting or anything else you'll be much more capable of of handling things in the future if you kind of are able to to stress yourself to to the point where um adaptation and and uh you know a, a response happens so that's um that's what I would tell myself. That's really helpful advice. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people can resonate with this. Um, but now it's quick. Mm -hmm. But there, there, you know, there are consequences. It's harder later on. So it's it's always to do, it's better to do the, the harder thing now to get easier results later. 
Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with that. Brilliant. I'm really grateful that you've come on today. Thank you so much for your helpful insights. And I'm sure that my audience have found great value in today's podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hannah. I appreciate you inviting me on and giving me the opportunity to speak with you. If you want to learn more about Dr. Nick's health insights, then head over to his social media page at The Fittest Doc. If you like what you hear, then remember to share, like, and subscribe, and head over to my webpage at www.talkingrespect.com in the You Matter section and tell me what you want to hear. If there's someone in particular that you want us to interview, then put it in there. Thank you for listening. This is Talking Respect.